Let's give it up for Elevé. Woo! Great job, everybody. You guys did such an amazing job. We want to thank these young people for serving God. When we, as young people, a lot of us did, and how many want to be honest, when you were their age, you didn't do it. How many are happy now to see them? Thank you, good sir. When we watch our young people serve God, we see there's a hope in the future, don't we? Well, my name's Joe Y. Rostick. I'm the pastor here. My wife was doing the announcements and communion. We're glad that you're here. You had a choice to be anywhere on Easter, and so we're happy that you came with us. Guests, if you have not received one of our free books, please get one on the way out. We wrote a bunch of books, and uh, we just want you to know that we love you, have a gift, and to keep studying the Word throughout the week, because living for Jesus doesn't stop after Easter, right? Sometimes there's a joke that goes around in the church world. We call people who just show up for Christmas and Easter, we call them creasters. So don't be a creaster, okay? Well, today we're going to talk about the immeasurable more love of God, the immeasurably more life that he gives us. But let us refresh our memory today on the story of Easter. It's the resurrection, but it started on Good Friday. The Gospel of John said in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, that Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. That was with the cat of nine tails. It was whipped upon him. His, his uh, skin was pulled off. His uh, blood was pouring out. You could see his muscles hanging as ribbons, possibly his bones. The soldiers then twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they would slap him in the face. So they were mocking our Lord and Savior. Once more, Pilate came out to the Jews, and he said, Hey, I've beaten them up, I've tortured them, but I don't have any reason to kill them. What should I do with them? And there they screamed out even more, Crucify him, crucify him. The Jews at that time were a religious minority in Israel, occupied by the Roman government. They had no reason uh, to kill in that government unless somebody was breaking Roman law. So they brought him to the Romans and were trying to convince them that, that Jesus was guilty of something. But they had no real reason against him. But, but finally, because they insisted so much, crucify him and crucify him, verse 16 says, finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified which was the worst form of death at that time. That's what you would do to the worst kind of thieves, the rapists, the child molesters. Uh, this was a death that even Roman citizens could not die by. It was illegal to kill a Roman citizen this way because it was so hideous. The soldiers took charge of Jesus. He carried his own cross. It was about a 100-pound beam resembling today a railroad tie. After being up all night and his back laid open, he carried that cross to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic they called Golgotha. There they crucified him, putting nails in his hands and his feet. They put him in the middle, one thief on each side of him, a criminal uh, that deserved to die. These people were criminals to the highest order. And then Pilate, just to mock him, put above his head, uh, above the cross there, a sign that said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. There he was hanging, naked, bleeding, dying. Later, everything had been fulfilled. They held up to Jesus a little bit of a sponge as he said, I'm thirsty. He took a little drink of it, and then he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. How many of you are happy today? Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished on the cross of Calvary. Our salvation was paid for. I don't have to bow five times towards a, mecca, a rock in Mecca. I have Jesus today saying it's finished. I don't have to keep confessing my sins to Father Tom in a dark closet. Jesus said it is finished. Thank God I don't got to put on uh, yoga pants and do the crooked chicken and be a vegan. Jesus said it is finished. Are you listening to me today?
Jesus said it is finished. Salvation was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why he said it was finished. He bowed his head, gave up his spirit. The the soldiers saw this. They came, and they wanted to make sure that he was dead, so they broke the legs of of the criminals next to him. But then they saw that he was already dead, so there was no reason to break his legs because what would happen is you would pull yourself up to breathe on that cross, and if they wanted to torture you more and have you die a more excruciating death, they would just break your legs so you couldn't stand on your legs and push yourself up. But Jesus had been tortured and and, and had been so mistreated that he died of probably a heart attack there, but just to make sure, because of these men being as wicked as they were, they pierced a spear through his side, and there was a sudden flow of blood and water. At the place where Jesus was crucified, the Bible tells us there was a garden owned by uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph of Marimathea. No one had been laid there before, and it was a holiday, so they buried Jesus there. Everybody say, on the third day. The third day, which was a Sunday early, first day of the week. That's why we go to church on Sunday, not the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday. The women went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away. The women came and got Peter and John and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Now listen, sometimes people think that Christianity is a myth. Christianity is not a myth. These people did not invent this story. First of all, they had no reason to invent the story. They're telling you the embarrassing a saga right here that they actually thought somebody stole Jesus' body. This is shameful for you to recount. If you're going to go around the world and make up a myth, you're going to say, well, I went right down to the grave. I knew he was there, and I slapped him my five. It's not going to be, I was surprised when he was gone. And then with the men, the men are actually the cowards. It's the women who actually believed it before the men even do. And in this culture, women could not even testify in court. So could you imagine Peter going around telling a story and they would say to him, Peter, were you the first one there? I bet you really believed. And he said, no, uh, it was the women that went there and actually convinced me. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. That's John. The, John outran Peter. He went over and he saw that all those linens were there and the cloth was lying in its place. And the other disciple reached the tomb and they went in and they believed. And then that evening, the first day of the week, so later on in the day on Sunday, when the disciples were gathered together, locked the doors because of the fear of the Jewish leaders, they still thought they would die like their Savior. After this, Jesus comes into the room and he says, peace be with you. And then to prove it to them, he said, look at my hands, look at my side. So it wasn't a ghost. Sometimes people will say that they missed him so much that this was an hallucination, that you may hallucinate you saw a lost loved one or a ghost of some kind. No, they are actually touching Jesus. And the Bible says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Is there any disciples here today that are overjoyed that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? The disciples were overjoyed, and now 2,000 years later, here we are as a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes people get confused about religion. They say, oh, there's so many. I don't know what, where, what to choose from and where to go. Let me just help you right here. Buddha, he's dead. Muhammad, he's dead. All those gurus from India, they're dead. My Jesus is alive, ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, and he said he's coming back. Amen. And as Surely as he came the first time, he is coming the second time. The first time he came as a baby in the manger to die upon the cross. But there at that cross was for our salvation, right? But the second time he comes is as a conquering king.
Are you ready to meet that Jesus? I hope that you are. Paul was a persecutor of the Christians because as they began to grow, the Jewish people didn't stop. They got more angry at these Christians. They said, we thought we killed, killed their founder. Now we can't find them. And they're all running around saying they saw him alive. We've got to kill them too. Paul was one of those persecutors. He was actually on a road to Damascus to kill other Christians. And there he gets knocked off his horse. By the blinding light of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord visits Paul. He then spends three years teaching Paul the mysteries of the gospel. And Paul became one of the major writers of the New Testament. And in his book to the Ephesians, which was a pagan culture who turned from their witchcraft to Christianity, he gave them one of his heartfelt prayers so that they could understand what he was praying for them. And I want you to know today, this is the prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. And Paul, if you were here today, would say, I'm still praying this for you. We don't need to pray to Paul. Paul said for us to pray to Jesus. Amen. So I don't need Paul or Peter or his mother or his brother. I'm just going to pray to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. But this is the prayer of Paul for us today. And 2,000 years later, it's still real. And by the way, how did they kill Paul? They beheaded Paul. Nero beheaded Paul. How did Peter, the coward who denied him three times, didn't even believe it after the women told him? How did that man eventually die? With courage crucified upside down in Rome. They said, we'll kill you the same way we killed your master. And he said, I'm not even worthy. Flip the cross upside down if you'll kill me that way. That's how our disciples die. Some people say, well, you know, these Muslims, they fly planes into buildings hoping these things are true. Yeah, you'll die for what you hope in. And, and you may think that's the same thing about Christianity. They just hoped it to be true. No, they died for what they knew to be true. You don't die for something you know is a lie. They said, I saw him and you can kill me, but I will tell you the truth. Can I hear an Amen. Look at what Paul said. He said, I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in the, by the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the Father and the Son are in heaven, but the Holy Spirit was sent on Pentecost. So Passover is the time of crucifixion. Passover represents the sacrifice. Pentecost represents the new birth and the new life of the Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is Christ. So how do I say rightly that Christ is in me? Is little Dito G Jesus in my heart somewhere, in my corazón, like, you know, like a little statue Jesus. No, the Holy Spirit is inside of me, and he brings me Jesus. He brings me the Father and the Son. That was Paul's prayer. And he said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. You see, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And it was Jesus out of love that laid down his life for us. And it was out of love that he raised from the dead. And it's out of love that he sent the Spirit. It's all about love. Somebody say love. Thank you. Our God is love. And the Bible says he wants us established in that love that we may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide. Somebody say, how wide? How long? Come on, how high and how deep is the love of Christ? The Bible wants you to know that. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ? This love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. I'm telling you, it's an easy story to understand about the cross and the resurrection. It's easy to understand, but the depths of it will capture your heart for all of eternity. That God would so love us that when we sinned against him, he would come in the flesh himself to die for our sins so that we might be with him for eternity. That is, my friend, the great romance. That is the treasure that's buried today among us in our culture. It's buried, and we need to dig it out and consider it the pearl of great price. Never get tired of hearing that old Sunday school song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
Now let's read verses 20 and 21 together. One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So that's what we do. Amen? Not just today, but every day. We believe the prayer of Paul is for us. Because Jesus died, we might live. But in reality, we know that life is tough, don't we? And so what I prepared for you today are some of the most powerful testimonies we have in this church. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the life of God, some of you think that we're talking about a yellow brick road, singing in the rain, no problems, but Jesus didn't promise a world like that. As a matter of fact, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have many problems, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world, amen? And so today, what I want you to do is hear testimonies that honestly, to me, are my worst nightmares, my worst nightmares are going to be presented here as testimonies because God promised he would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because he's a good God. And what I want to start off with today are testimonies of those in this church who all three last year were diagnosed with cancer. Would you give it up for Pastor Lauren as she comes with the sisters? Because God is able, come on, give it up for Jesus as well. Because God's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, even when we have cancer. Praise God. God is good. I am so thankful that we get to stand on this stage together to represent the three people that have overcome cancer. You know, usually it's like one person gets diagnosed, but three people in the same church getting diagnosed is just beyond it's just crazy. It's not something that we think is going to happen. And in our lives, it's something that we never thought would happen to us. Again, my name is Lauren. This is Tina and Iris. <laughs> Sister Tina got diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer. She's a single mom of two beautiful children. And if you hear her talk about cancer and her getting diagnosed, what you will notice is she doesn't talk about the diagnosis. What she talks about is the peace of God that she felt when the doctor told her she had cancer. And that's the same peace of God that carried her through the entire time, through the surgery. And today she stands before you strong and healthy. Iris was also diagnosed. She was at work, sitting at her desk. She got a phone call from the doctor, told her that she had cervical cancer. And she had uh, a decision to make in that moment. If she was going to allow that diagnosis and to, to take over her mind and the fear of the unknown to come into her heart, the fear of not seeing her grandchildren grow up, the fear of the future, or she could have decided to stand on the promises of God and thank the Lord for this woman of God who chose to stand on all the promises that God has given her. And today she stands before you cancer-free. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma about six months ago. I've been undergoing chemotherapy treatments. I have two treatments left. At the <laughs> and we are waiting for the good report from the doctor. And even though this is one of the hardest trials that my family and I have faced, I have felt God's hand through it all. I have felt his kindness 
His goodness, his love, and his faithfulness carry us through. And I am just so thankful to be before you. And I know that I could talk for all three of us because we come from a life of sin and we could have died in our sin and we could have went to hell. But you know what? That's not what God had mercy on us and we got to know Jesus. So we would rather have cancer and know Jesus than have everything else in the world and not know him. So even though we have different cancers, we had different, <laughs> we have different stories, different families, and different treatments, we have the same outcome. And that is this, that when we got cancer, God's grace was there to meet us and carry us through. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sisters. That's the power of God. But you know what? I can hear some sassy people in the church because, you know, maybe they're in the millennial generation. And they're like, well, it's God's fault anyway why they got cancer, so why are you all clapping? But here's the thing. What's the choice? God or no God? Okay, let's take your, your option, no God. No God, you're just but dust. To dust you came from, dust you go. Who cares then how you die? Who cares? Oh, there's evil in the world, Pastor. How are you going to believe in God? If there is no God, who cares about evil? Hitler wins. Hitler, he can eat you if he wants to. If there's no God that sets right from wrong, from health to healing, my friend, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. You see, don't get sassy with this pastor. You see, the reason why there is cancer, there is a problem with evil. That's true. God solved it on the cross of Jesus Christ because it came from sin. Not that people sin personally and then get out of that, the sickness, in a superstitious way. No, but in the garden, we were naked. Come on, somebody, with our wife, our spouse. That's a good day. And just all we had to do was take care of the animals and take care of the garden. But what did we do? God gave us a choice. He said, here you go. Here's the devil. He didn't want to be in my heaven. He's a traitor. And here he is. He's got a proposition for you. You take it, that's your one-way ticket out of here. You get to do earth and life that way. And so we walked over there to hear what he had to say. What does this talking serpent have to say to us? And you know what he said? Something like this. You got a lot here, don't you? You got love. You got your family. You, you've got all the work and the fun you can do enjoying your, the work of your labor. But there's one thing you don't have. You know what that is? You see that God over there? You're not him. You want that? eat of this, and you get to be that. Now, he told a partial truth, didn't he? Because the moment we ate of that, we became the lowercase g God of this planet, and how have we been doing, friends? Cain killed his brother right after that. Did they understand that the moment they ate of that fruit, that their own children would kill each other? Did they understand that children would be born with cancer and disease and sickness because the gene code we had was meant to be perfected in the glory of God? That's why we were naked, because we were clothed in the presence of God. Did they know of all the natural disaster that would happen when God removed the canopy of his blessing and rained down water upon Noah's earth for 40 days and 40 nights? They had no idea what was coming before them. They had no idea that there would be child molestation, that there would be rape and murder and Hitlers and all of those things. So yes, I know there's a problem with evil. I recognize that. But on the cross, Jesus said the problem of evil is solved. It's finished. There he took our sins, our sorrows, and our sickness. So take that cancer. Go back to hell where you came from. I'm living for Jesus, and I'll see his kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Got to get sassy sometimes with the devil. 
So don't let anybody talk you into being an evolutionist or an atheist and think they got you doing something smart. No, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. And that famous theologian, Forrest Gump, he said, stupid is, but stupid does. Amen. I will trust the God who made me through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. His rod and his staff will comfort me. I will fear no evil. Amen. Because this next one is my worst nightmare. Give me cancer before my children die. Are you listening? And you're going to hear the testimony of children dying, family members dying. I want you to give it up as they come with Pastor Adam right now because God is greater, greater than loss. Come on, give it up for Jesus because God is greater than the loss we suffer in this world. Amen. Amen. I have the wonderful opportunity of sharing how God has done immeasurably more in our lives in the midst of death. You see, as Pastor Joe had said, that is the hardest thing you will have to face. My wife and I, uh, almost a year ago, lost our son. We went into the hospital, and they told us that there was no heartbeat. We were crushed, but the only thing that we knew to do was to give praise to God. So in that hospital room, after hearing that our son, Christina, was 38 weeks pregnant, full term, after hearing that our son had passed, we sat there and we began to sing praises to God. It was hard, tears coming down our face, but there was such a presence of the Lord. People that would come in and out of that hospital room throughout the entire process would say, there's so much peace here because we knew what God was doing. He was using that loss for his glory. And so many of our family members and so many of our friends were touched by how God has sustained us. They were looking at Christina, how come you're not in depression? Adam, how come you're not turning to alcohol? How come this? How come that? Because of God's grace. And I'm not the only one that has that testimony. Amy, who lost her father this past year to colon cancer, stage four. To hear that, you don't know what to do when your father gets colon cancer. They were going in and out of the hospital, and God had sustained them. So much so, the doctor said that he had two months to live. A man who would hardly get sick with stage four colon cancer. By God's grace, he lived a little longer than what the doctors had said he was going to live. And Amy got to see firsthand her father draw closer to Jesus. Amen. He is now in heaven with our son, Azariah, and that's the hope that we have as Christians. Amen. In similar fashion, Catherine here, who had lost family members as a result of homicide, or rather suicide and violence, and even lost a child in the womb. She said that she has even herself seen her family members give their life to Jesus as a result of God's faithfulness. Now with their fourth child, amen, they've seen how God is faithful to them, and they gave their life to Jesus. That's the same testimony as Jackie here who lost an aunt and an uncle, and being crushed as a family, seeing how God used that opportunity for the gospel to be preached, for her family's heart to be softened and touched. And that is the testimony that we share as Christians. Yes, though we may be sad, we still have a hope, a firm foundation of who Jesus is and what he has done in our life. And that is our testimony that in the midst of loss, God has done and is continuing to do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine. Thank you. Amen. 
What did Jesus do on the third day? What did he do? He rose again, right? That's why we're Christians. That's why we celebrate Christ. Now listen, Jesus wasn't just a good man dying for a good cause. That's happened all the time in, in war, right? Braveheart laid down his life for the people if you ever saw that movie. But here's the deal. Our Savior willingly laid down his life as God in the flesh. And then he raised it back up. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it back up. That's our Jesus. But this is why he did it. If you wanted to know why, why did he rise up physically? Because after Jesus had died in the body that was his earth suit, he could have ascended right back to heaven as a spirit, couldn't he? Because that's what he was before the earth was ever created. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all spiritual in nature. It was the Son, though, who took on flesh, so he could have died for us and then just ascended as a spirit. Why did he resurrect with the body, ascend with the body, and now forever is the God-man, God in the flesh? He will forever identify with mankind. He did that for our bodies. Because of sin's penalty upon us, his creation, our bodies will die. And that's not what he wants. He doesn't want our bodies to stay dead. Because when you die and your soul goes to heaven, he doesn't want you to stay a disembodied body. How does he get back your body? He had to pay the price for it by taking it on the cross. And then by raising from the dead, he became the archetype of all humanity. Because Jesus has a resurrected flesh, I have hope now that I will have a resurrected flesh. My new DNA is in him. And as long as he lives in his resurrected body, I shall live in a resurrected body with him. That's why he's coming back the second time. Some of you think of heaven as just a place where you're going to be for a long time. No, heaven is temporary until Jesus comes back to earth to rule and reign. The garden of Eden is restored. And that's why we as Christians when we see death, we say, death, where's your sting? It's been swallowed up by the power of Jesus Christ. We don't fear death. Even as Christians, when we died, even at the hands of our enemies, when they would put us in the arenas to die public, gruesome deaths, the people even persecuting us would convert to Christianity because they had never seen people die with so much dignity, many of them singing hymns as the flames engulfed their bodies. Because there's no fear of death for the Christian. As surely as Jesus rose, I shall rise. Amen. How many are ready for that day? And not only that, because life is not just cancer and loss, but life is also the daily grind. I want to share with you these last set of testimonies. Because all of us want to have an extraordinary life. We want to do things beyond the norm. We want to see great things happen. And that's what God gave us desires for and dreams for. I love watching my wife. She's the mother of my five children, six in the womb, a pastor's wife. And she's in seminary getting her master's degree. And the quarter just ended and she got straight A's. I love seeing my wife make those moves. And guess what? There is a church full of people experiencing the extraordinary life of God. Because God doesn't just want us to come and play play church, play make-believe, and then go out there in the real world and have to do it differently. No, what we learn here, what we learn here, we apply out there, and we kick butt out there in Jesus' name. Amen? We build the best businesses. We're the best doctors. We are the best because when God says when you do it for him, he will reward you more than even what man can reward you. So it's okay to dream big. Anybody else want to start a Hobby Lobby in here, a Chick-fil-A? Does anybody else want to be 
an answer to a world's problem today. Why does Apple in Silicon Valley have to be owned by the godless people? Let's see the godly people have the dominion on the earth as God said. Amen? And when we say kick butt, we don't mean that in an angry way, but in the, in the mindset of we're going to win. We're going to do great. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So let's give it up for uh, Brother Juan as he comes with those who are going to share their testimony about how God can do. Come on, give it up for him. How God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, even more than the ordinary, the extraordinary. That's right. I get to share about people who have put God first uh, in their lives and in their families, and in return, God has put them first. So we're going to start off with my, uh, my sister Tina over here, who we all heard overcame cancer in the name of Jesus, uh, but also in her uh, personal or business life, I would say, um, recently graduated from Bible college and has now a, a full-time job with CPS. So praise God for that. Uh, next, the Lele's, the Lele uh, family here, my sister, um, uh, oh, oh, she came out of a prison. Uh, she did seven years in prison uh, and now is, in the name of Jesus, free. Obviously, she's out here with us, but is also free from her past life and married now with an awesome dude, uh, Alex Lele. Together, they have uh, their first son on the way, and, and they have a house together in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Or they purchased their first house. More to come. More houses and babies. Uh, and then my amazing wife, when we first met, um, just like many other people in the world, uh, suffered from depression. Uh, but now in the name of Jesus, has immeasurably no depression in the name of Jesus. Uh, and is a, a full-time student with straight A's and is starting her master's degree. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Immeasurably smart woman of God. Uh, and, then, and then we got the, uh, the um, tell me your last, the Escavals. My dogs, uh, another immeasurably amazing family in Jesus, uh, f- uh, four ch- 14 children, now four children, um, always getting favor on his job, recently got a new job uh, that's given them, their, the bless their family with a shorter commute, which is amazing, short commutes are awesome in the name of Jesus, and then his, his powerful wife of, of, of Jesus, um, straight A's, mother of four, going hard for the Lord, putting the Lord first. And God has then put them first. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Hallelujah. And then thank God for myself. Also a testimony in the Lord. Uh, my family and I, we own a restaurant. Uh, it's called Nini's Deli. And uh, God has shown so much favor at our, at our restaurant. We're in TV shows. We've been in magazines. And just like everybody else, I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I gave my life to the Lord. And he's put myself, my family, and our business then first also. So thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, hard work is a part of success, but when you're working for the Lord, he makes the journey easier. When Joseph was in slavery, no matter what they did against him, he kept doing the best job even as a slave. And then they betrayed him, they put him in prison. And there you would think it would be over for him, but no, somebody's got to be in charge in prison, so they put him in charge in prison. And right there you think he would give up, but he didn't. He got brought before Pharaoh. So whether it was him being sold into slavery by his brothers thrown into a pit, whether it's him working as a slave in Potiphar's house, 
mouth or being in prison because of wrong accusations, God blessed Joseph and brought him before Pharaoh. And so no matter where we start from in life, we should say, God, I'm going to finish strong with you. And when we're on the job, we can look at the resurrection of Jesus and literally say the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will help me pull this all-nighter, will help me come back home now and cook for my children and to take care of my family. Jesus' power, the Bible says, greater in you than he that's in the world because you have an enemy in opposition that doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you busted and disgusted so he can get you to think how bad God is. But Jesus said, the thief, he came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and that more abundantly. How many want the abundant life of God? Amen. And if that comes with trials and tests, we'll do it God's way. Because every person up here that's a success, they had to go through their trials and tests. My dad had to close a business, almost go bankrupt, to in his 50s to start for the third time a new career to experience the last 15 years, which outdid all of the previous years he ever made as a businessman. But he stuck with the Lord. He was a faithful giver, and he served the church. And he said, God, whether I make a lot or not, I'm going to put you first. And thankfully, at the end of his life, he got to say God was faithful to him. Amen? So I want you to think about this now as we get ready to close. Thank you for coming. I want you to think about this next slide as I put up here today. Would you put it up there for me, brother? Click it over. Is that we have heard the story of Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus Christ is what we would call his story. Everybody say his story. The story of Jesus. There you go. Click it for me. His story is one of death, burial, and resurrection. And then you heard our story, didn't you? You heard our story about people who have overcome what? Cancer? Lost? Wouldn't those be your kind of like your worst nightmares? To get cancer or die or somebody you know to, or love to get cancer and die? That's, that's what keeps me up at night. Come on, I have to trust Jesus and say, Lord, even if one of my children would die, I would still serve you. But, Lord, I love them so much. You know, even my wife got cancer. Like I think about Andrew having a wife with cancer. You know, she takes care of her four children. Lord, you know, that would be a worst nightmare. But we heard their story and that God meets them there. It's like the story that Corey Tim Boone said. She was uh, the one that they made the book, uh, wrote the book and the movie of, of The Hiding Place. And she was in occupied uh, France, I believe, when Germany came in and started killing all the Jews. And her family started hiding the Jews in, in the floorboards of their house. And then finally one day they got caught and they got sent to concentration camps. And she's really one of the only ones that survived. But as they were doing that, they knew the risk. And so she would get so scared, and she would tell her dad, Dad, what, what if they do? They come in and get us. What if they take us? What's going to happen? And her dad would tell her this. He would say to her, Corey, when I send you to the store to go get something for the family, do I give you the money in the house? She says, no, Daddy. He said, where do I give you the money? She said, you give it to me at the door. Right when I'm ready to leave, you put it in my hand. And he said, God will do the same thing for us. He, you may not see that you have the strength right now because you don't need it yet. But when you're at the door and it's time to face that situation, God will meet you there with all the strength that you need. And that's what I want to tell you today. You've heard his story, the story of Jesus. You've heard our story. Now the question is, what's your story? What's your story? Are you going to walk out of here the same way you came, or are you going to leave differently, encouraged? So I'm going to ask that our altar workers would come and the band would come. And here's what I want us to do in closing as you get ready to enjoy some of the best food of your life. How many are ready? Come on, mama's cooking it, Wayla's cooking. We're going to KFC. What do pastors do on Easter? We go to KFC. I ain't making mama cook today. No, I'm not going to get in trouble with that. 
We've tried crockpots and stuff, and they haven't worked. Uh, brother, can you move just for a little bit? Thank you. I, I want to end by giving you guys this real simple understanding of what it's like to serve God. To me, what it's like to serve God is a father with his children. And so what is your story with God our Father? Has God spoke to you today? Did you wake up this morning talking to him? Have you experienced his love? If you haven't, then here's what we need to do. Today, you need to get born again, and these prayer workers will help you do that. They'll pray with you and teach you the ways of God. Or you may be here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but I'm going through some of the worst things that I could possibly face in life. And maybe it's more than what we talked about. I could have had up here a slide, overcoming divorce. Hey, overcoming financial loss. How many would have to be real and say, Matt's me, right? Overcoming addiction. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If you're a Christian today, we want to pray with you and for you because we believe the resurrection, the empty tomb, says God can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine in this situation. And then lastly, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I want to prosper in life. I really just want somebody to pray with me. I want to go to work Monday, and I want to do an amazing job. I want to set an example for my children. I want to do something in this high school that's never been done. If you notice, these teenagers who were testifying talked about them being high school leaders. We have four high school clubs led by youth in this church. That is unheard of in the city. There is no other church in this city that has that. No other church. No other church. I'm not saying against any other church, but how is it a church that meets in the storefront is doing that because we're a church of 80% disciples. And I, I can't say we're the only ones because I don't know every church in the city, obviously. But I want to tell you, we're one of the few churches today that build it on discipleship as Christ taught, and it works. So you know what? You're a disciple. You want us to pray with you? I want to get excited about your job tomorrow like you were about church today. I want to get excited about you going to college. You know, you hear about these people getting straight A's. That's what we teach. My children right now, my children are eight and nine. They take two school year, they take two grades a school year. My nine-year-old is starting sixth grade next week. Sixth grade. My eight-year-old is starting fifth grade. They will graduate high school by God's grace somewhere in their early teens, 13 or 14. My goal is to have them start college by 15. Some of y'all don't know what it's like to grind because you've been in the millennial haze too long. Talk to your grandparents and they'll tell you what it was like to grind. We got to go back old school. We got to go back to the founding of Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. So if you're here today and you want to make some boss moves, you want to start a company, you want to go out into your job and make a difference for Jesus, let us pray for you. So whether it's salvation, a trouble in your life, or you just want to achieve great things for God, you know his story. You've heard our story. It's time for your story. Amen. I'm going to pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you that you brought us here today. Whatever situation we're in in life, you can meet us here. If you're not saved, would you talk to the Lord right now and start preparing your heart before you come up here? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. Forgive me of my sins. If you've been going through hardships, say, Jesus, I need you. Maybe just raise your hands right now and just say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need you. And if you're here today saying, I want to be a testimony of success for God, Speak it out even right now in prayer. Say, Lord, use me for your glory. I'll be a janitor if I have to, but Lord, use me for your glory. I want to change the world for you. A few moments, every person praying right now. See, the good thing about our quote-unquote religion is it's more than just something we do with tradition. It's a relationship with Jesus. You can talk to him right now. And if 
I haven't hit on something you know about or are concerned about that, that I haven't hit on it. You pray right now in your own words. Thank you, Lord. A few moments right now can change your lifetime. Save souls, encourage people's lives, and set us on the path of blessing. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it today, would you stand up and say amen? Come on, come on, say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's the Super Bowl World Series NBA Championships all in one. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I dare you to say gracias, Senor. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say he has risen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. If you would like to pray, come on up and find a prayer worker. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Enjoy your Easter Sunday. God bless you. We're going to worship as well if you would like to stay and sing with us. Hallelujah. God bless those who have to go. For any prayer requests, come on up. We would love to pray with you. God's able to do immeasurably more.